This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 22, featuring Dan Riley of Bushwitch Sandwich Lab. It's been about a week since Anthony Bourdain passed away. Uh, rest in peace. His passing affected a lot of people all over the world and definitely a lot of people in New York City. Um, this is my first episode featuring a chef, and this chef is from Bushwick. Uh, he started his business about a year ago, and I'm proud, proud to call him a friend. Glad to have him on here. Um, we talked about all kinds of things. If you live in Bushwick, go over and check out Bushwick Sandwich Lab located inside of Precious Metal. That's at 143 Troutman Street. They are open Tuesday through Sunday. Sunday they close at 10. Otherwise, I would be eating some Bushwick right now. Otherwise, I'm eating a uh, some Popeye's chicken. But I had to do what I had to do. So, anyway, I'm glad to call Dan Riley a friend. I'm glad that Bushwitch is in the neighborhood, and I had a great time talking with him. I think this is a great discussion. So, this is Dan Riley, Bushwitch Sandwich Lab. Let's have a conversation. Over like this? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So, how you doing? I'm doing real good. Good. Are we hot now? Yeah, you know. Cool. All right. Um, yeah, doing real good. Um, a lot of changes over at Bushwitch. Good ones. Um, had our health inspection today, as I was just telling you. Um, so yeah, depending on when this podcast goes out, I guess other Bushwick restaurant owners be on the lookout. <laughs> but yeah, so we got our we got our A. Congratulations. So we live to see another day. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so how long have you been open there now? So now, man, we're, it's crazy how fast the time goes. Um, it's coming up we on a doing year? Or? Yeah, I actually just was looking back in Instagram because I, that's just how we uh, measure time now. And um, I guess our first pop-up was in the middle of June 2017. And then we did a few. I think our, our actual grand opening was in the middle of July or like the end of July. So we're coming up on a year now. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been working. Nice. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was a lot of, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I think of like, I guess officially we've been around for like a year, but I really think of our, our breakthrough was kind of like in January when we started basically like taking credit cards when I hired somebody and when we started doing delivery, that's really when it, when things started to change, when it started to feel more real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you uh, get into that? Man, so I guess um, the food thing, the food thing has really just been kind of a like a lifelong obsession. Mm-hmm. Um, my family was always very, um, I guess they were foodies before foodie was a thing. But yeah, um, or maybe I just come from a family with like big food issues. <laughs> But like, yeah, my, uh, my mom was always obsessed with food, like not in a weird way, in a, a good loving way, you know, 
but um you know definitely the thing with love being equated with food early on and um my mom taught me how to cook that was kind of like the thing that we always bonded on um yeah she uh she went to to college in mexico and that's kind of where she learned to cook um so that was kind of like the the point of reference and the flavor profiles that i grew up with those kinds of ingredients and also um growing up in new jersey um a lot of you know like new jersey jewish new jersey italian influence that was kind of like like if we went out to a fancy dinner we had italian right that's just that's just what it was then and um and yeah so so would you say you guys are italian focused i guess i guess that kind of makes sense if i think about the menu Um, well the menu is i i guess like um really everything that i cook um kind of has a mexican slant to it Mm. um also, I mean, aside from um, what my mother taught me when I was growing up, I lived um, for about 10 years in L.A., in the Valley, and um, that's just the ingredients that we had to work with. So if I ever wanted to cook anything, I was shopping at the Vallarta Market or, like, um, the Mexican Butcher or whatever. Um, so it's just it's the stuff that I got used to cooking with. It's the flavors that I'm comfortable with. It's the stuff that I know how it works. Um yeah, and the ta- the Italian thing is is just it's the comfort food that I grew up with, like red sauce, sitting on the stove all day, Italian American grandma Italian food, you know. So, how would you describe uh, the food that you're making over at Bushwich right now? I know you do different things, but I guess for somebody who may not have been there, um, what would you say to them? Well, um, okay, so a description of the food in general. So it started off. We call it the sandwich lab because um, I went into it always thinking that like that it was a a project that was focused around experimentation. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what appeals to me in the kitchen. I like as a home cook, what I was always doing was I was rarely cooking the same thing twice. Um, So in my kitchen, I was always experimenting and learning and tweaking and trying to teach myself stuff that I didn't know how to do yet um, with varying results, you know. Um, and then when we started uh, doing the pop-ups, which I guess maybe I should get into the genesis of that a little bit too. Um, so <laughs> I was working, um, I moved to I moved to Bushwick about seven years ago. I moved to New York about eight years ago. Um, as I said, I was living in LA. Okay. I went to school there. Graduated in 06, and then I stayed until 2010. So I was there like 10 years total. And um, What did so, you go to school for? Uh, I have a degree in screenwriting. <laughs> yeah. Which is, uh, I guess, served me well through it. Like, I used to work as a professional writer. Um, I've had a lot of jobs. Um, but yeah, so I moved to New York and kind of started over. And... Um, what I was doing first, well, I moved here on a writing job. I was actually uh, working for James Fry, the guy who wrote A Million Little Pieces. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a screenplay for him. And um, I, was, I also was just kind of done with L.A. And I knew that I wanted to move to New York. And I had this chance to establish myself here. So I was like, all right, this is my chance. And um, also, um, at that time, I already knew Sarah, um, 
who I'm about to marry in three weeks. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. To you both. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I came here and I crashed with Sarah. She lived in the West Village at that time, which is right near James Fry's office. So that was perfect. And um, so, yeah, then I, I was looking for jobs um, after the writing thing was over. And um, I ended up in court reporting because I think I had like a monster profile that I'd forgotten about um, that listed my previous job as a production manager. So then um, this guy who was running a video services company um, within a legal services company, which is, it's basically, to make a long story short, it's basically just processing videos of depositions for high profile financial type cases, technology cases, stuff like that. So it's really boring, dry stuff, just legal interviews. So I was processing video of that stuff. Um, By processing editing or? Some editing, but um, mostly what it was, was um, there's this, um, uh, there's this software system. There's a few different ones. We were using a thing called Yes Law, where you take the transcript and you sync it up with the video, which means basically you're going through it like a closed captioning system and you're hitting the space bar to when line up. the lines are supposed to go. Right, so you're creating mm -hmm. a time code so that, um, basically, so the end product is that you can search video for a word or phrase. That's the end product. And it's all this tedious video processing work. So I was doing that boring shit, um, for like, God, five or six years with like two different companies. And I just got really sick of, um, well, I loved, I loved Bushwick and I never wanted to leave Bushwick and I had to go into the city every day. Yeah. And that grind like really, really started to get to me. And, um, probably especially like when you're not doing some, like when you're not passionate about the thing you're doing in the city, um, right. then the commute is it way worse. And also <laughs> yeah. I'm just not good with office culture. Yeah. Like that thing where you get in the elevator and everybody's like, Oh, it's almost Friday. And it's like, all you talk about is the weather and the day of the week and the implication of, Oh, it's almost Friday is that like five sevenths of our life is a complete right. waste living for the weekend. Yeah. It yeah. sucks. And I got really, um, obsessed and in New York, with... you don't always get like a lot of people get called in, like even in an office job, it's like a lot of people still don't really have the weekend anymore. Also with the 24 seven dude. Yeah. It's cycle, just, you know, there's no freedom. Um, yeah. And then on the weekend, what are you going to do? You're going to get drunk and do your laundry. Yeah. Like that's, that was my life. And so I was really bummed and, um, you know, the cooking thing was what I always did to unwind. Like even after a long day at work, all I wanted to do was come home and cook. So I would get home and, you know, Sarah would find me, um, you know, like sometimes with my jacket still on because I was just like gathering up things and starting to chop things and whatever. Um, and well, the reason I never, um, wanted to do food as a job before like this crisis that I went through was that I was afraid of, um, not liking it anymore. Yeah. I've talked about that before with, um, like when you're like, it's good to pursue your passion, but the one caveat with it is when your passion, like when you are doing a version of it that you don't really love, so it's like, yeah, if you're a line cook yeah, um, or if like if you're a musician and you're doing 
if you like teaching, yeah, but like if you're doing things that aren't making you passionate, so like if you're, you know, being a hired gun, um, or if you're doing lessons in a way you don't like it, like you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, even like, um, because also one of my passions is uh, photography and videography, and I was taking, um, some jobs doing. You know, things with varying levels of creativity. Sometimes it was weddings. Sometimes it was music videos. Um, and even that, like, it starts to be drudgery. So I was like, if I ever do food professionally, obviously I'm going to hate it. And it's going to ruin this thing that I love doing. And also, like, you know, I, I'm i 34 years old. Like, I wasn't on track to go to culinary school, start washing dishes, work my way up in a kitchen. Like, I'm too old to do yeah. that now. And, um, so I just didn't, um, think it was a possibility for me. And, um, so my friend Tom, who, you know, mm-hmm. um, we, uh, um, like I had moved to, I was living on Wilson and he was living on Jefferson street and precious metal opened. And so now every time we met up, since it was the midpoint between our apartments, we would always go to precious metal, especially because we knew a lot of the bartenders from pine box and stuff like that. And what were you guys like just meeting up as friends or it was, we were always on, um, we collaborated on a lot of the kinds of video, random video jobs I'm talking about, stuff like that. And, um, yeah, whether it was just meeting up to have a drink and check in or, um, or, you know, planning some kind of shoot or something, which we were often doing. Um, Precious Metal was always the meeting place. And um, Tom has one of those minds that's always thinking of the next scheme or not in a bad way, but, you know, he's like, he's always on a hustle. Like, yeah. And, um, and Which is a New York. I think that's a New York and Bushwick fits right in there. Like, oh, yeah. Thing. Like yeah, it's you a, have to have many hustles yeah. to survive. And that's, it's fun too. You yeah. Know? Um, it's also fun because you can meet people and create things. Yeah. And so, um, so he noticed, uh, that room Mm -hmm. in the front, um, that was going unused at that time. Um, the space used to be, I think a, um, an auto garage. So, um, basically it's like where the office was in the front of an auto garage. So there was a window to the outside and then, um, you know, like glass windows that swing out and look out onto the bar. So it's perfect for a food service situation. Yeah. And uh, and I guess um, Jeff and Heather Rush, the owners, they always intended it to be that. But um, they, probably because of the baby that they had exactly when they opened that bar, they just got busy with other stuff. So it was used for pop-ups sometimes, but they didn't really have time um, to focus on putting a full-time food thing in there until somebody really took initiative. Mm -hmm. So Tom saw that and he saw the opportunity in that. And he said, dude, you're totally unhappy with this thing that you're doing. Um, you love cooking food. Let's start with a pop-up and maybe like something. Yeah. Yeah. So it was Tom's idea. Um, Oh, at that time we all actually had another one of his friends too. Um, somebody who, uh, his name is Dave Shade, a uh, really great guy. He um, owns an interior design company and also is has like a similar home cooking obsession that I do. He's always doing wild food projects at home. And so Tom uh, set up a meeting uh, with the three of us to talk about, you know, what we could do, opening a little food spot. So, um, so yeah, we talked to Jeff and Heather. Um, we set up the first pop-up. 
And um, what I did for the first one was um, I had this dynamite carnitas recipe um, that it was one of the things I didn't, I was saying before, I don't make a lot of food. Um, so this one used uh, gunpowder? This one? <laughs> it's explosive. You know? Um, but yeah, this was like a recipe that I kept going back to and refining and I felt like I really had something with it. So, um, I knew I wanted to use that in something. Um, I love Cuban sandwiches. Um, it's one of my favorite things. And I thought that's like, you know, that's an, uh, it's not fancy, but it's substantial enough that you can charge some money for it. People know what it is. It's the perfect thing for a pop-up item. And then actually it was, um, Jeff and Heather's idea, um, they said, hey, we already have this built-in vegan audience because um, Pine Box is a vegan bar. Uh, Precious Metal is not, but they have you know good ties to the vegan community. And so they said, why don't you lean into like a cool vegan thing too? So then I got the idea to do a Cuban and a vegan Cuban. And that was our first pop-up. Right. So uh, the Cuban was easy. The vegan Cuban, um, I did a lot of research and... Um, figured out how to make some really good melting vegan Swiss cheese. Um, it was, what was the book? Um, I found this book called, um, I think it was called uh, The Dairy-Free Dairy Free Evolution or something like that. I forget the author's name, but it's a really good book. Google that um, and it'll come up. And it's like, it's basically just a combination of really clever... Um, clever interpretations of how to uh, create the flavors of cheese without using cheese and um, and just chemistry, basically. So you're using like um, kappa carrageenan, um, different kinds of gelatins, nuts, stuff like that, and you can create some pretty convincing cheese. So I figured out how to make uh, vegan Swiss cheese, and then I was making ham out of seitan, and uh, jackfruit was going to be the stand-in for the pork. So we did those. Um, we had fun doing the pop-up. We had no fucking idea what we were doing at all. <laughs> I think I was there for that. Yeah, I know I was there were, right? a, a lot of times in the early yeah. goings. Um, mm. And definitely had like the jack the jackfruit. Um, I don't know if I had vegan the first time, though, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not as good. So <laughs> It's pretty good, no, though. You know, like, I, it was surprising. It, it works. Yeah, it really worked. People love that vegan Cuban. Actually, somebody the other day... We haven't served it in like eight months, but somebody came in and asked for it the other day. I was like, ah, sorry. Were they, bom- they were bummed. They were so bummed, yeah. yeah. Um, but you guys still have vegan offerings? Oh, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we did decide to lean into the vegan thing, um, which was, yeah, I, I don't regret that at all. Because Tony um, Pontius, I know, hits that up, hits you guys up a lot. Oh, yeah, totally. Saturday we have, night, I think, says Jim. Uh, we, yeah, we have his, his own dish that's called the T-Bone. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, rice, beans, jackfruit, nacho cheese, topped with scallions with a side of chips. That's the T-Bone. It sounds pretty good. Um, but yeah, so we had the, uh, the Cuban and the vegan Cuban. Then we did another pop-up where I did uh, meatballs and vegan meatballs mm-hmm. as a meatball parm. Uh, and then um, those worked well enough that I was like, you know what? I think I figured this thing out. Let's start paying rent and doing this for real. Um, but it was still like, it was a DIY thing. It was something that I invested no money in. Um, it, I spent like, you know, 
four or five hundred dollars on equipment and ingredients for our first pop-up and then the money that I made from that did I really no I couldn't have spent that much but yeah it was just like a little bit of money for the first thing then we made our money back on that and I just kept reinvesting and growing very 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 slowly yeah um and it just kind of snowballed and at first it was just me in that room with no real improvements to the space at all, just as it was. It was like up to up to code with the sinks. That's basically all you need in terms of like health department compliance. And we had a fridge in there and two surfaces. And I was just cooking sandwiches um, and crisping pork and crisping jackfruit on um, two sandwich presses, like two flat sandwich presses that were, um, I think, cost like $60 on Amazon. <laughs> so I was like... I had really leaned into the disconnecting from the corporate world and starting my own DIY thing in a way that was almost like um, like an ascetic monk would. <laughs> like I was cooking all the food myself, um, doing 100% of the prep myself, working the shop every day, opening and closing. We were open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I was still working my corporate job two days. So I was doing it on Monday and Tuesday doing prep on Wednesday and then opening and closing the shop every day, Thursday through Sunday. It was like the most insane shit. Um, but yeah, it felt really good and it got me used to just being in there and just convincing myself that I was running a restaurant now, you know, but it was really just me sitting in a room selling sandwiches to whatever people were wandering into the bar, which was, you know, like any, it was a, it's a new bar yeah. and it wasn't getting a lot of, um, walk-in traffic, obviously like Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. Um, there's events. It was doing pretty well. Yeah. 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 There were events and stuff, but I was like, I, oh man, it was so crazy. I would get like stressed out. Um, if we were doing more than like, if I was doing more than like 200 in there, I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Um, so it was just like, it was just me. It was my my training ground for myself. And I needed to do it myself. I only knew how to cook by myself. I didn't know how to cook with a different per- with another person. I didn't know how restaurant kitchens worked really. But um, over the months, I did my research and I got used to it myself. And I started running it more like a real restaurant. And um, yeah, then it got, it got really slow um, around Christmas. And some days I would go home with like 80 bucks and I was like, I was locked into a year lease and I was like, this this is going to work. If I just keep showing up, (laughs) this thing's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. I got a lot of really great advice early on. Actually, I got a a shout out Matt Klein from Strange Flavors and his business partner over there, Bill. They're doing so incredibly well and their food is amazing. And Matt was so kind um, early on to have given me a lot of really great advice. Strange flavors. Where are they located? Um, they had, they have the burger shop, the burger stand at the Johnson's. Yeah. Okay. I'm... And yeah, also they do, um, like small plate, uh, Chinese bar food type stuff at our wicked lady. And they just took over the bar or they took over the, uh, the kitchen at, um, formerly Montana's now. Right. Good times. Okay. Yeah. What's it called? Good Times Sunset Bar or something. Or Good Times Chris- Good Times Christmas Liquors at the Sunset Bar. I think that's what it's called. Nice. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Um, so they gave you some good advice. Um, uh, incredible advice. And um, yeah, there's that's the great thing. Like there's this community of 
um, Bushwick restaurant owners that don't undercut each other, don't undermine each other, um, are just friendly with each other. And it's really, really, it's, it's really cool. And I didn't expect that. Um, and when we started doing our thing and people started talking about the food, um, I forget how we originally became acquainted with Matt, but, um, but yeah, he just, he treated me like I belonged there and I definitely didn't at that time. (laughs) I feel like, um, that community and that environment of people supporting each other, like that's pretty much like, that's what makes Bushwick Bushwick. And in a way, like that's the thing you can find it in New York in general. Like if you can tap into that, I just think like Bushwick as like a location in New York kind of embodies that, which is, you know, why I love it so much too. Um, yeah, I love, I love Bushwick and yeah, part of the pulling back from, um, from the, the corporate job was also because I wanted to just, I wanted to dig in to this neighborhood and make a place for myself here. Because if you don't, uh, I was realizing that if I don't, um, dig in here and make my life more, um, specifically rooted in the neighborhood, then, you know, like I'm getting married soon. Um, it's, this place can kind of be like, like a playground for grown up kids, you know? And like, it's either you have to, you have to dig in mm-hmm. or you have to figure something else out. And I was like, I don't want to leave Bushwick. I never want to leave Bushwick, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I've got to become a part of this community and I want to, I want to give something back, you know? Um, yeah. I want to establish myself as a presence so that, you know, I can dig into this neighborhood and do something good here, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so let's, uh, so then, so December was rough. December and then, was really rough. Uh, just to kind of continue this journey. Um, so then January, yeah, uh, you said was kind of where things took another turn. Yeah. So, um, despite how bad things were, um, it was when I, I decided to, you know, you have to, you have to crawl deeper into the crevasse if you want to come out the other side, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I was like, there was actually a, uh, I was still working at that point in December. I was still working two days a week at my other job in Manhattan. And, um, there was, there was kind of a shakeup over there. Um, they sold the company. I had already put in my two weeks notice. I wasn't planning on coming back after the, after the Christmas break. So, um, then while I was, I had not showed up for a few days, um, just because I was busy with my restaurant stuff and I had kind of disconnected from that. And, um, they called like this mandatory meeting that I didn't show up for. And the mandatory meeting was to tell everybody that, um, they sold them to another court reporting company. (laughs) They were closing the doors and they had basically just sold all of their people and their assets and their accounts to Veritext, which is like the company that they used to call the Death Star. Like it was the enemy company and they sold out to them. So I was like, wow, this is really solidifying my decisions right now. So I actually did have this uh, amazing opportunity to, um, because this other company, Veritex, they offered me a job. They didn't know that I was not going to be working there anymore. So they offered me a job and I had this great opportunity to turn them down and also um, yell at them. (laughs) Yeah, and I probably sounded like a crazy person. I have a little bit of a temper. Anybody who's worked with me uh, knows that. Um, I try to direct it in the right ways. I'm passionate. You have to be to do something like this. You have to be passionate. Um, 
And I'm definitely not abusive to people in the kitchen, but sometimes like I get very passionate. I think that's the right word. Um, so yeah, in this um, phone call where I turned down the job and told them what I think of them, I was definitely uh, very passionate. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then they told me that I was banned from the premises. And I was like, well, I didn't want to come back anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, then I was fully committed after that. So um after kind of, you know, everybody comes back to Bushwick after New Year's. That's another thing about living in Bushwick. A lot of the people that live here are not from here. So when holidays happen, um, everybody tends to clear out. <laughs> it's kind of a ghost town in certain ways, you know, in the whatever, in our little bubble of Bushwick. But um, so then I came back and we were doing more business than we had done the week before. Um, it was like it was kind of overwhelming. And I was thinking of, I had somebody lined up. Um, I couldn't afford to pay an employee yet, but I had somebody lined up and I was like, all right, you know what? I picked a week and I was like, this is going to be the week that I hire Andy to come and help me. And also I'm going to, um, put us on delivery, which was a terrifying prospect because then it's like, it was just me in a room, you know? And once you open yourself up to delivery, then there's, there's like all these other factors that come into play and all this accountability and it's like you're opening yourself up to you know star ratings on the internet and anything can go wrong um with delivery and it's just it was it was scary but i was like i I have to do this now so i picked a week and um i guess i just happened to get really lucky because that was when i guess we had had enough positive word of mouth um late in the seat late in the christmas season when people weren't really around that people had heard about us and knew we were there when they came back and people started coming. Just all of a sudden, that week, we started doing delivery. I hired an employee and people just started coming. Like in person. Yeah. Well, so you started getting it was the just, delivery and then more foot traffic also at the same time. Yeah. And it um, not just like a, a small bump up. Our business quadrupled basically overnight. Um, so people came back. People started coming in. All of a sudden, we were... Like I didn't know how to prep enough food even because we were we were doing four times the business that we were doing before. And I was when we were doing that small amount of business, I was making it so that um I was making sure to sell out. So I was making very small amounts of food. Right. And now all of a sudden that the business quadrupled and I had no it so we had to like rethink everything basically on a week to week basis as it got busier. And um yeah, Andy helped me out a lot. Um, in those, those early days of the transition and, um, the delivery thing settled in. And since then, yeah, it's just been one week has not been the same as the week before. Like it's just, it's, it's snowballed to the point where that was also when we started, I started doing prep, like outside of the space we needed to rent out. We need to be able to do, you know, four times as much food. So I had to start renting, renting out time in a commercial kitchen, um, which was expensive, but also a great thing. Um, we actually, we share a prep kitchen with, uh, Lucy's Vietnamese and the strange flavors guys. They, um, hooked us up with nice. Uh, so like that same early connection has helped you in exactly. the early stages. Yeah. And then again, later when yeah. you're growing, oh my God, I don't know what we would be doing if we didn't have access to the Cooper kitchen. Um, but yeah, it's a great place. It's affordable. Um, 
which is, I mean, still wildly expensive, but affordable in commercial kitchen terms, you know? Um, and, um, so yeah, we've been doing that. We were doing it on, um, on like a, a biweekly prep schedule before and freezing things that we need to freeze. And actually just like two weeks ago, we started a weekly prep schedule and started opening six days a week. So we're like, nice. I was going to ask. So what's the, what day are you guys closed now? We're closed Monday. Okay. And you guys are open <laughs> six days a week. Today's my day off. That's right. the only, well, I mean, my day off. I was doing, you know, bank stuff and yeah, making the schedule course. all day, whatever, you know. Um, but this is technically my day off because I don't have to cook any food. Hey, man, you know, you in New York and you a Bushwick cat. Like, exactly. you're busy all the time. All 24/7. the time. 24-7. It really is 24-7. I think uh, owning any business is 24-7, but a food business is just, it's so much so much fucking work yeah it's so much fucking work i was not ready for that but i was also not ready for like how much i would love how hard the work is and that's what fuels it like the dude it's addictive like the love fuels it like um that's like a theme that's been kind of recurring is like you have to like if you want to be successful you i mean not to say you can't be successful in some things it's just it's an empty yeah it's an empty success if you're successful in something that you don't really care about or are passionate about, I know, it's like yeah. you're successful in that, but so what? Like if you don't, don't love it. I know. Um, I, see, I see a lot of people who like consider themselves entrepreneurs, just like general entrepreneur. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, this thing, this app idea, whatever. And it's always just like, it's this dispassionate, like it's almost like playing stocks where they're like just picking businesses at random that they're like, I'm going to back this today. Yeah. And it's, like, I think that's an interesting thing. Like, I'm careful in how I use, like, I don't necessarily use that term for myself. Not that I don't think of myself as that. It's just, I feel like it's it's uh, too broad if you're constantly using it for yourself. Like, you know what I mean? You should, like, create the things and maybe let other people describe you as such. But, like, for yourself, I think it's good to, like, what am I passionate about? What do I want to do? be specific about that and call yourself that. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's not that like if you're, um, if it's restaurants, if it's arts, if it's sculpting, it's not that that has to be the be all end all of your identity either. But knowing that having that specific thing that you're doing, like creates everything else. Like that's, that's what creates the entrepreneurial thing. Cause otherwise if you're a general entrepreneur, I think you run in danger of actually becoming an actual gambler. Right? That's because you're kind, just that's gambling. That's kind of what it is. Like yeah. you're not really you're pursuing stocks. anything. Yeah. Yeah. You're just trying to, it's it's trying to hit your wagon to something else instead of creating something yourself. Yeah. Which is the whole point of, to me, like I think what an entrepreneur is, like create something yourself. Yeah. You know, but you have to have an idea like in order to do that, like an idea and then you create it. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I got really lucky. It was a lot of hard work obviously, but I feel like I got really lucky that, um, my desires happened to coincide with a thing that I was willing to put a lot of hard work into at the same time. And like, it's like, I very much believe in, um, it's cool to like do what you have to do to make money to survive and then pursue your art in your spare time, that's super cool. But like now that I've found a thing that I love, that's also going to be my career for the rest of my life. I'm like, Holy shit. I like, I accidentally figured out what I'm doing with the rest of my life. Which yeah. Really. It feels cool. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. Congrats, man. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, I can say that is a successful entrepreneurial, um, accomplishment right there. Like that you went from like, not like, you know what I mean? It went from one thing to an idea doing like making the idea happening and then it's growing like and yeah. you know now it's it happened very organic you also Nothing have was forced I've you never... also have uh i know you hired the one guy but you have several people on staff now yeah i've got right? i've got four employees now yeah. yeah so you know that's huge man that's happy first year like that's that's great yeah um is there so with that mm-hmm. um and and also like with your whole journey I have to have you on again and we can talk about everything like even more. Um, but with that thinking of this past year and also just thinking of your life experience, the whole story, um, is there any advice you would give to anybody who is where you were a year ago or maybe where you were five years ago, just sort of, you know, doing something, whatever level of success, but kind of thinking, maybe there's something else that I want to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, the advice would be, um, be honest with yourself about what you're capable of and what you're good at. Yeah. Because I see a lot of people who, um, they, they have, they want to be a certain thing, but they're not really good enough to be right. that certain thing. And they're trying to force a square peg into a round hole And it's like, you know, and also like, um, yeah, it's like, know what you're good at, but also like know that when the, when the thing happens that, um, is going to really be worth doing, it's going to be super fucking hard. Yeah. And you're going to have to work your ass off to do anything that's, that's worth doing at all. Like nothing is going to come easy. I, I I always took the path of least resistance um, because I was just like, okay, if I can just, um, if I can make my rent this month, then I'll be able to do this this weekend and whatever. I'm like, oh, if I have this job, then I'm going to be making enough money that I can, you know, fucking buy a camera and whatever the fuck. And that's really fun. Um, but like nothing that's easy ends up like actually being the thing that takes you takes you to a place that's really the next level of where you should be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think with that also with being honest with yourself and knowing whether you're good at something, like definitely I think if you're honest, you kind of know, you should know kind of what your strengths and weaknesses are. And if you don't like maybe talk to people about it, but like, yeah, knowing yourself is really good. Um, But one thing with that, I think that can help is to know that, to know that even if you are really good at something, you're kind of saying this also, but like to understand that even if you are really good at something, it's still going to be hard work that you're going to have to put in. And so one of the clues is like when you start down that path and you start to realize the amount of work it's going to take, I feel like usually when you're good at something, you're going to get feedback that kind of fuels you to keep going. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you have to like, you're going to get all kinds of feedback also. So you have to like um, protect your process and have people that you know and trust, but um, you're going to, things are going to kind of open up for you as you're 
pursuing that thing, you know, like things yeah, kind of fall into sync. You have to be honest with yourself. Like, yeah. A lot of people will tell you that, um, you know, for instance, your food is good, you know, right. People will tell you your food is good. Um, but it takes a long time to get enough feedback to know if I'm just using the food as an example because right. it's my thing, but it applies to anything. Um, because the people around you will tell you that you're, whatever you're doing is good, even if it's not. Right. <laughs> so you really have to, you have to know, like you have to be critical of yourself. You have yeah. to look in the mirror, um, be willing to change when things aren't working. Um, because nothing that I did in the first six months of uh, running Bushwitch actually worked. And I kept, I would recognize that it didn't work. Well, I mean, a lot of the the things did work, but my food is completely different now. So I would take the things that were working and I would go forward with those things and I would jettison everything that wasn't working. You have to be honest with yourself and you can't keep doing something that's not working, expecting it to start working at some point. It's not, it's never going to. Right. And, um, yeah, you have to be adaptable. Yeah. Um, that means humility. That means, uh, recognizing your own flaws, constantly looking in the mirror. Um, yeah, it's I I probably have some self-loathing issues. <laughs> but like, yeah, I'm I'm my own toughest critic. And um but yeah, it's like you have to hold yourself to a really high standard and you have to fucking kick your own ass, yeah. you know, to do anything uh that's good. You really do. And like the other guys in the neighborhood that I really admire, um speaking of the the strange flavors guys, they they make fucking amazing food and they've done so well um business wise just uh done so many smart things um uh phil gilmartin over at momo comes to mind yeah he's um he's actually out of tent like he kind of moved away so i don't know if he's gonna come back or what but yeah really yeah i just saw him like really Maybe I mean, he came back. I mean, no, no, no. no. I mean, not just. I think I saw him like maybe three weeks ago or something. Okay, but. no, no, that's good. Um, he he was one of the first people who hit me up like the first week I launched the podcast. Actually, oh, um, did you have him on? No, but I I would. <laughs> but <laughs> he told so, me that he was out of town. Uh, um, dude, yeah, he's, he's got so all kinds of. I fucking love that guy so much. Um, but uh, yeah, shout out to. I mean, the food in Bushwick is also another reason. Like food and bush, it's good to. I'm glad to have you, you know, as a dear friend of mine, and I'm a fan of yours. And I feel like this is a successful story, but in general, like for people visiting New York, like I choose to live in Bushwick, you choose to live in Bushwick because it's a great place. There's great food, there's great art, there's great people. Um, it's a great fucking place, it feels alive. Yeah, this, this neighborhood sings a song. And I feel like I can whistle along with it, and it feels really good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So with that, and I know that this is like, you know, things are kind of in sync for you right now. Do you still um, see yourself doing, like, producing film and that kind of thing also? Like, where do you see yourself kind of? Huh. Um. Man, yeah. The, well, the the food thing has completely taken over my life now. Yeah. Um, I, when's the last time I shot something? I actually shot, um, oh, well, I, <laughs> I went to the U.S. Virgin Islands. There was a, a wedding job that I had booked like a year ago and forgotten about. And then it came up to like a few weeks before the date. And I was like, 
ass deep in restaurant stuff. And um, my brother-in-law, who books those wedding jobs for me, um, he was like, hey, you're ready to go to the USVI in a couple of weeks, right? And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I didn't forget about that. Um, so yeah, we flew the US Virgin Islands for one day so I can get some drone shots of a wedding. And then I flew right back. I was so fucking nervous to leave the restaurant. Like I had two employees at that point. And, um, and it was like, yeah, it was my first time like leaving my baby in somebody else's care. And it, yeah. was, like, and it was only for two days. I was gone for a total of two days. Um, That's probably good, though, ultimately, to like test the system, kind of, you know, see where things, see how it works. Yeah, when you and step it, away. it worked. It worked just fine. Um, uh, but yeah, now, God, even just since then, that was like the beginning of March and things that I'm so much more comfortable with my workforce now than I was then. Um, but yeah, and I was there and it was like all I could think about even... It's kind of a best case scenario going to the U.S. Virgin Islands to shoot drone footage of a wedding, right? Like that sounds really fucking fun. Yeah. The whole time I was only thinking about the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> like I, there was, I mean, I, I, I love shooting video um, and, you know, it was, you know, I had a good time um, that day, you know, like in terms of, um, it was um it was a fulfilling job to do, but um, I was thinking about the restaurant the whole time. Yeah. And I think that's just how it's going to be from now on. Like, I don't know if I can. Um, it'll be different. I'll be able to pull away from the shop when I, when, you know, when I have people that are more established and whatever. I mean, they're, they're great. So right now, yeah. So right now, I guess the answer is, the focus is clear. And I don't it's know. The, yeah. yeah. That's a, it, I mean, that that's, was a challenging question. I think well, about you know, that, you and know. it's also like one that can, like it can be that right now and it can be whatever, you know, a year from now, like who knows? Yeah. I um, know. But it's I think so it's hard to step away. It's so hard for me to step away from the shop and like really commit um, to something else. Well, that's, but that's cool. You know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I guess so. Man, I hadn't thought about that until just now. <laughs> I was like, if somebody if somebody asked me to do a video job, yeah, I guess I would say no. Um, but yeah, that doesn't even have to be your final answer. It's just you know, right? Just... Yeah, we're all, we're always a work in progress. Yeah, we can always change our minds. Yep. <laughs> um. Well, man, I'm really proud of you. Um, thank you, dude. Yeah, thanks. the the podcast is great, by the way, too. Thank you. Um, I haven't listened to enough, but I did listen to the episode with uh, Marshall Thompson from Braven. Oh, yeah. Who is a guy that I know well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was actually, God, one of the, uh, I don't know if you were trying to wrap it up, but. No, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so yeah, one of the, this was really one of the coolest things that happened um, as a result of um, the Bushwitch thing early on before, like before I had really felt that established. Um, so like a, f a friend of a friend who like knows about Bushwitch and also knows Marshall and knew that he was opening the Braven brewery. Um, he said, Hey, you're doing, um, to Marshall, he said, you're, you're doing a sandwich based, uh, menu in, at the restaurant you're opening at the brewery. Um, this guy I know just opened, a sandwich restaurant in uh, Bushwick that's starting to get some traction. Maybe you guys should talk. So uh, Marshall came in one day and um, he introduced himself and he ordered a whole ton of food and um, took it with him. 
And then he got in touch with me later and he said, Hey, I really like your food. And, um, we're going to be opening this, uh, tap room restaurant thing. And, you know, I was wondering if maybe, um, you wanted to, um, talk about what a menu would look like if you were going to do it. And I was like, Holy shit. Um, so I had a, a lot of fun, like putting together this menu proposal and, um, and we did, man, I did a lot of test cooking over there. The kitchen over there is beautiful. I'm sure it's going to be better once they build it out and, and all that. Um, but yeah, we did a lot of testing and stuff. And ultimately, they ended up um, going with somebody who has like actual kitchen experience. <laughs> like not just some, some asshole who opened a little sandwich shop and a thing. Um, but yeah, it just, uh, it felt really good. Um, it felt like just to, to be considered for that and to work with them a little bit, um, just to kind of be noticed. It felt, it felt really good. It felt validating. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, I'm, I'm really excited to see what they do over there too. Uh, that tap room is going to be really fucking cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to that too. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, where's the best place for people to find, um, Bushwitch like online and stuff? Obviously. Oh, well, the we best give the way physical to find address us also. Is, yeah, the best way to find us is at 143 Troutman Street, uh, at Precious Metal Bar, um, which is an awesome place with a great happy hour until eight o'clock every day. They have a $4, uh, draft beer, $4 well drinks. Um, on Saturdays and Sundays, they do killer bloody Mary's. Um, and we've got food there. Um, we have, uh, you can find our menu on bushwitch.com. Um, I think it's updated. I need to have our webmaster update the website probably. Um, but yeah, we're, um, I guess the best way to keep up with what we're doing is Instagram. So at bushwitch sandwich lab, everybody calls it bushwick sandwich lab. Um, I didn't catch it the first time I saw it. (laughs) It's so stupid. Um, Also, like, don't be afraid to call your business something really stupid. (laughs) If you think it's clever, like the first thing you first time you think of it, because we were like Bushwitch Sandwich Lab and then like went on GoDaddy. I'm sure we were like, you know, several drinks in, like hanging out at Precious Metal when when we thought of this. Um, But yeah, we like saw that Bushwitch.com was available and we were like, done. We got it. Bushwitch sandwich lab. Um, and now it's like a, a dumb thing that I regret, but don't, you know, um, it's totally fine to call your business a dumb fun thing. Of course. Um, so yeah, it's at Bushwitch CH Bushwitch sandwich lab, uh, on Instagram. And, um, you can find us on seamless and Grubhub. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just come and see us, and we'll make you some. We'll make you some food. Cool, because that's uh, what we do. Do you have any final, final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, are there ever really final thoughts? Like we're all just we're all just works in progress, right? Yeah, I'm really excited to um, see where this goes. Um, we've got. Um, would this be the the time to plug things? Sure. Or, cool. Yeah, so. Um, on the 12th, let's see what's going on. Of June? Yeah. What day is Taste of Bushwick? That's the 10th, right? I don't know off the top of my head, actually. Hang on. Let me look at the calendar. I know it's Tuesday. 
Tuesday. Why do I have 23 text messages? That's not cool. Okay. Um, <laughs> God, can't even do a, can't do a podcast without getting 23 text messages. Um, okay. So let's see. Okay. Tuesday, the 12th is taste of Bushwick. Um, we'll be there, uh, giving out free food. We'll be doing, um, I'm going to create, I'm creating a new sauce. Um, and I'm going to be testing it out, kind of seeing how people react to it. We're going to be doing it with pork and with jackfruit. Um, on little slider bites, I might bring some um, meatballs with me too. I don't know. I don't know, but it'll be really fun. I'll be there with Heather. Um, Heather's going to be uh, giving out samples of the Clear Bloody Mary. Oh, yeah. Which is really fucking cool. And I feel like uh, not enough people know about it yet. But it was basically like me and her and Tony Pontius um, figured out this process of filtering freshly squeezed tomato juice to make it clear. And, um, yeah, Tony makes a Bloody Mary out of it and it's really, really good. And it's kind of a mind fuck cause it's clear. <laughs> nice. So we're going to be giving out free samples of that. Um, you should really come and try it and free samples of our pork and jackfruit, which with our new, um, sweet and spicy sauce and maybe some meatballs. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens. And also we're doing a pop-up at branch office on Thursday, the 14th of June. So yeah. Branch office. Yeah. Branch office. It's a, uh, it's a bar in, um, I think it's near prospect park. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I should probably know where it is, <laughs> but yeah, we're doing a pop-up at branch office and I'm probably going to be do similar, be doing similar sandwiches to the ones I'm sampling, um, at taste of Bushwick, which I'm really looking forward to. That's on Tuesday at not, um, it's at what's that new venue? Um, Brooklyn Steel. Okay. It's at Brooklyn Steel on Tuesday. Nice. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, dude. Um, Thanks for having me on. This is this is really fun. Yeah. Likewise. Um, and congrats on the wedding and the links to everything. Thank will you very be on much the, on the site. Links to links to my wedding album. Yep. To the wedding <laughs> album. Um, Let's show everybody how much fun we had. You know. Yeah. All right. Thank you, man. Cool. Thanks a lot, dude. So that was my conversation with Dan Riley from Bushwitch Sandwich Lab. Check them out. Check out their website. The links for their website will be in the show notes for this episode, as of all the episodes that we do on BushwickVarietyShow.com. Also follow them on Instagram. Some of those dates that he mentioned there have passed, um, just happened, and I know they went well. And his wedding's coming up. So uh, anyway, yeah, congrats on one year and congrats on your upcoming wedding, Dan. Thank you very much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day and have a great week ahead. Connect, do, do your thing, and eat good food. Peace.